Today on the show, young adult authors Megan Whitmer and Kelsey Mackey and I talk about being creative, writing a book, the book world versus the music world, how the internet can be your friend and your worst enemy, and so much more. It's a super jam-packed episode of Who Writes This Stuff? Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so glad you made it. I didn't think you were going to, and then there you are. Welcome. Uh, You downloaded something off the internet. Congratulations. Uh, My name is Nick Flora. This is Who Writes This Stuff, episode 57. Um, I'm very excited about this episode. It's really fun. But uh, before we get into that, um, I just wanted to, you know, for the uninitiated, this is a podcast that maybe uh, you haven't listened to before, so I'm not going to assume anything. I don't know your life. Uh, but um, my name is Nick. I-, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a musician, uh, singer-songwriter, and uh, I started this podcast uh, a while ago to talk to creative people because nothing makes me happier than talking to other people who were sort of turned on and, and their life sort of lights up um, when they when they talk creative stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in, the, in a mecca of that in Nashville now. And, and uh, today uh, I have two special guests on the show who are not from Nashville, but it's just so fun to, that you can talk to people from all over the country. And, uh, if you have this one creative spark, it's, it's like you have a shorthand and you're immediately like, you know, best friends for that moment that you're talking to them anyway. Um, now it's time for a new segment called what I learned this week. What I learned this week. What'd you learn? This week is one that's near and dear to my heart, being a, a, a huge movie nerd. Uh, I've been reading this uh, book about filmmaker John Hughes uh, that a lot of you are familiar with, if you know Sixteen Candles or Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. He also wrote uh, Home Alone and Beethoven. That's not what I learned this week, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> he wrote Beethoven and the second and Beethoven's third, unfortunately. Um, but a brilliant guy, especially in his heyday, like really, uh, really sort of seemed to tap into... Um, sort of the teen movie genre. But what I didn't know before I started reading this book was that uh, Star Wars, actually, the movie Star Wars in 1977 launched the whole teen genre phenomenon. Um, And this is very curious to me, and I I was sort of reading about it. And the reason is, when Star Wars came out, the people who saw it the most multiple times uh, in the theater were teenagers and uh, studio heads and uh, your higher ups of in the Hollywood world, I guess, uh, sort of saw that the demographics and uh, were sort of blown away. So they were like, "How can we project more of what the teenagers are going through and put it on screen?" And think about it. Up until like the you know late seventies, early eighties, there really wasn't a teen genre. There wasn't like the teen sort of uh, romantic comedy romp. Uh, you know, in film, there really wasn't. And I never really thought about that. I was born in the eighties, so I I didn't really pay attention. Um, but so because of that, they sort of tapped a bunch of writers and filmmakers to, to write the quote unquote teen, you know, comedy flick or whatever. And so, uh, one of those people was John Hughes. He had never actually written a movie before, but, uh, he was a writer for the national lampoon, the newspaper. And uh, he'd written some sort of funny essays, and he actually just had just written a movie called uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, which a lot of you know, starring Chevy Chase. And uh, they they were impressed with him, and, and thank goodness they tapped him, you know, because I feel like a lot of studio heads and a lot of people in suits uh, get get a bad rap, and maybe for for you know the right reasons sometimes. But it's amazing to me that they chose John Hughes because he's the right guy. Like that guy is a genius, and, and even being an adult himself, he was in his 30s when he made you know, 16 Candles and Breakfast Club, but he really did have 
his finger on the pulse of the modern teenager. And I mean, breakfast club alone is, is sort of a masterpiece in my mind. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of things that are, you know, he just decided to take, uh, what was happening in teenagers lives instead of them being off to the side, making them the forefront and, and treating them like they were important individuals, which is very important. I feel like, so that's what I learned. Thanks to star Wars, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, we have all these teen comedies. So if you loved 16 candles or breakfast club, or, you know, even further down the line with can't hardly wait. And the, she, she's all that. And, uh, you know, even up to, I guess, pitch perfect. And, and what was the, the, I don't know, another one that came out. I don't really pay attention. Uh, you know, I guess you have uh, Star Wars to thank. So you're welcome. And that is what I learned this week. What I learned this week. What'd you learn? You guys, if you're going to be in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, Grove City, Pennsylvania, or Baltimore, Maryland, I am playing shows there August 20th, 21st, 23rd, respectively. Uh, and I would love to see some of my Northeastern folks come out to some shows. Uh, as well, if you're in the Nashville area, I'm playing September 2nd at the Rutledge. Uh, the 19th, I'm playing in St. Louis, Missouri at Foam Coffee and Beer. Uh, September 20th, I'm playing a show in Lincoln, Nebraska on the 21st in Omaha, Nebraska. So come out to some shows and say hello. And as always, if you want to contact the show, you can do so by emailing whowritesthestuffpodcast at gmail.com. I'd actually like to know what you learned this week. So you can uh, tell me as well, and I will share it on the show. So what did you learn this past week? Uh, or the week that you're listening to this show, I guess, would be uh, you know, more, more pertinent. Uh, if anything discussed on this episode or previous ones grabs you in a certain way, shoot me a line and let me know. And uh, I love reading that stuff. And the interesting ones will make it actually on the show. Uh, leave iTunes reviews. If you want to go to the iTunes podcast page, just go to iTunes, search Who Writes This Stuff podcast click the page and you can leave a quick review of the show and I'll give you a shout out once again on the show. People love it and I don't do it often enough <laughs> so uh, because I don't do the podcast nearly enough. I know. I'm sorry. Also you can find the podcast on Twitter at WhoWritesPod as well as Instagram, Facebook uh, socially network with me guys like I said earlier I'm very excited about this show. Megan Whitmer and Kelsey Mackey are two young adult authors uh, Megan is from Kentucky and, and Kelsey from, from Dallas, Texas. And uh, they're two people that I actually met on Twitter. I think we talk about it on the podcast. Um, I sort of uh, accidentally backed into this world of young adult authors specifically. And there are a lot of women and a few men, but mostly, uh, are, are, you know, they're women. A lot of them are moms. They're just uh, people who sort of have this dream to, to write. And they're, and they're doing it. A lot of them, you know, aren't making money from it. They're just writing because they love it. And um, it, it's such an interesting world diving into it and sort of getting to know a few of them and, uh, you know, talking about the similarities between, you know, being a musician and touring and traveling and, and, and writing and everything and, and being an author and actually writing a, a fully fleshed novel, some of them, uh, several. Um, I think that's, you know, incredible. And it's something that I've always, you know, been interested in any sort of creative thing that I don't know how to do personally, I'm, I'm immediately interested in. Um, so this was a really, uh, fun episode to get down to business and talk to these two wonderful ladies about uh, sort of how their brain works when they're writing and sort of the ins and outs of the business. And, um, if you have any interest in books at all, reading them, writing them, whatever it is, you're going to love this episode. And if you, if you, if you don't, they're two delightful human beings, uh, and as you'll see very shortly. So here we go with episode 57 with Megan Whitmer and Kelsey Mackey.
Are you nervous? You should know. Okay. You can see our vlogs. <laughs> Isn't it the southern accent <clears throat> is the closest to British Cockney? Did you know that? No, it's true. It's no the really thick southern I accent. I don't think so, sir. <laughs> you sound super ignorant. To you, uh, it's that. No, it seriously is that. Uh, you sound super ignorant. That's why You're so many charming. so many British ac- actors do southern roles, and and it sounds really good. Except for if you're on True Blood. <laughs> I don't know why they're... Terrible. Oh, it's terrible! They're the worst. It's like the main guy in True Blood is, is, okay. is British. Yeah, he sounds like he's he's okay. in Gone with the Wind okay. or something, and yeah, nobody really talks bad. like that. But like all the... all the There's a lot of actors on uh, Old Walking Dead who are who are British, and they, have, they do a pretty good job. Okay, Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. He's, pretty, pretty he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people who don't know... Uh, I want you to say your names each, so when people hear, they know who's talking. So you start. I'm Megan Whitmer. Megan Whitmer, and, and I'm Kelsey Mackey. Kelsey Mackey, there's no, there's no Y at the end of your last name. That is true. I have some problems with this. <laughs> I know. Can we fix this today? I got the name by marriage, so I don't okay. have any authority to change uh, the spelling. Can we call your husband? Yeah. Can we get, get him on, him the, on phone? the phone? All right, we're gonna. It's actually a huge problem. Before I it's knew you, McKee Mac. I mean, like, no one, Mako, like, people can't figure it out. What? Who is, where, <laughs> where are you visiting that they're, they're just, they're just gurgling your name? <laughs> they can't, they can't say it. I don't know. When I used to think your name was Kelsey Mack, I was so jealous. That's a great was, like, name. such a rapper name. Kelsey Mack actually sounds like you should have a show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> like the. Like Alex Mack? Like this, that's what I'm. Yes. Dang it. I thought I was being original. It's already a thing. No, no. it's... <laughs> and it was canceled, so it's thanks. It's already a thing, was a thing, ended, and it's old and done now. So, so thank you for referencing, saying basically my name is a canceled television show. It didn't work. And that actor never worked again. My maiden name was Kelsey Tony, and everybody always like what? mentioned my name. They were like, Kelsey Tony, Kelsey Tony. They like really liked that name. I but have problems with this, too. <laughs> I know. I have a lot of thoughts on names. I think... Okay, I'm not... Your parents are probably wonderful people. <laughs> But now I'm going to crap on them. No. That's so... Because a lot of times if you have a two-syllable first name, it's a one-syllable right. last name. And so it's not always the case, but then also... You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, <laughs> but also... Have, but but yes. if it rhymes, it's, uh, it's weird unless it's straight-up rhymes. Right. Like if you were Kelsey McKelty, I don't know. Right. That would be... That would be ridiculous, uh, what about too. Robert McRoberts? People who do that. No, yeah, okay. Those people, those people can go to a very special place. My name is William Williamson. Why? What Why? What's wrong with your parents? Bill Williamson? Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Somebody... There's, there's got to be a, a guy named... I to all the William Williamsons that listen You just offended... <laughs> I have a big contingency. All two of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> or like a Dick Richards. Like, what do you... Okay. Yeah. Well, we all know... Dick, Dick. Like, why? I know. Well... Yep. Yeah, I, I think about that all the, all the time. Not all the time, but whenever names come, because it is an interesting. Mm-hmm. So both of problem. my names were two syllable ending with e. Kelsey, Ma- Kelsey Tony, and Kelsey Mackey. It's weird. Ooh. I like Kelsey Tony. Hit twice. But I really yeah. like that. You're just saying that because she's here. No, I actually really like. No, she's totally just saying that because I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Kelsey at all. Wait, how and how did you guys meet? On the internet. Well, yeah, that's how everybody meets, right? Twitter? Yeah, that's the only okay. way. Is it really? Because is it really? Because delightful. Well, I, it must have been through Twitter. I think so. Yeah. We had, we, I know we were in the query trenches around the same time. What does that mean? When we were You're going to have to, you're, you're primarily <laughs> speaking to, I'm going to ask a bunch of dumb questions for me. I'm sure people are listening because they know you guys, or they, they're familiar with the YA world. They'll know what all this stuff means. 
But this, you are the first authors I've ever had on the podcast, which I was really excited about. That's an actual high five. Um, and uh, I know, which, which I'm really, I'm really excited about because the name of the show is Who Writes This Stuff? And I've never had a person that actually like writes anything other than songs. Right. <laughs> Which isn't really writing, no, you know. You it's totally different. It's not completely different. It's not, but it, but eerily similar, too. Yeah, you know. Is. But yes. All right, let's we, pray. Yeah, we um, were writing books around the same time, and then we. Because so what's a, a query? Book, when you write a book, uh, if you want to get it published. So let's which, say I could just say like I have an idea for a book, and I'm nobody. Okay. What What do I do from there? Well, you write your book, and then you have someone mm. that you trust read it. <laughs> Okay. And, and tell you it's not dumb. If they tell you that it's terrible, you need to to revise it. Okay. Probably a few times. Well, that's just like any sort of thing that you write, and you it goes through different draft processes. Hopefully, it's yeah, like, but lots yeah. of people don't do this. They're like I, I wrote think, this last night. I think it's, it's real. It's perfect. I'm it's, gonna upload it to Amazon. <laughs> I think it's real good. For real. Mm-hmm. Call Amazon, honey. <laughs> I actually had a friend that asked. Oh, this about is real. If, is there a number? Oh no. For Amazon. Yeah. Like, mm. how do I call Amazon? Oh, Tell them I'm ready to... Okay. Well, <laughs> we need um, to talk. <laughs> so, uh, but when you want to get... Uh, t- if you want to go the traditional route to get, like, one of the big publishers, you have to have an agent. Okay. And to have an agent, um, you need to write what's called a query letter, which is kind of like, you know, the uh, cover, back cover copy on the backs of books that, like, tells you what the book's about before you buy it? The books are those things with all the pages. Right. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I'm <Yeah>. not familiar. <laughs> like every, words. Oh, everybody poops. I read that one. <laughs> everybody yes. poops. Yeah, yeah. There's that back page. Right. It's like so that's kind of what a query letter is. Okay. It tells them what the book's about. It's like a one one sheet kind of. Yes. Okay. And it just basically here's what my book's about. Here's who I am. Would you be interested in representing me? And just they based say on yes that? or no. Yeah. Sometimes they'll ask. Because um, you could straight up be stealing people's ideas and just saying like. Or not have a book and just say, like, yeah, I got an idea. Well, that's when they'll say, I want to read the first oh, three chapters, that the makes first sense. 50 pages. Because you have to, like you said, you have to write the book first. You have to have the book <laughs> right. first. Oh. Right. You, if you're a big deal, like, mm. Stephen King doesn't have to write the book first. Yeah. He could be like, I have this idea, and they'll be like, let me give you all my money. Right? Yeah, and there's filmmakers that do that, too. They'll walk into a meeting and be like, I have nine ideas. I don't yeah. have a clue what's yeah. going to happen. And they're like, they just know them well enough. That makes right. sense. Yeah. Okay. So, but Kelsey and I had to query have them so, the book first. Yeah, I mean, and we just were, our timelines were just similar. Wrote books around the same time, we created around the same time, we ended up um, with Spencer Hill Press, and I'm at Spencer Hill Contemporary, which is an imprint of Spencer Hill Press, through sort of like weird, you know, cool situations, like special situations, we ended up at the same publisher, and like it just sort of all happened near the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how our relationship, yeah. I don't know, got yeah. Really close because we were going through so many of the same circumstances with okay. them and the same people. We have the same editor oh, um, okay, at okay. two different imprints of the same publishing company, so we just had a lot of common experiences. Yeah. Like we knew each other before and we would talk before, but we became really close when we both went with Spitzer Hill. I have a question. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> what? How do you learn about all this stuff? Do you just literally get on like? The, how do you even know? Do you just do the research on your own? Just like literally type into Google. How do you write a book? How you do you have get to, a book? Because I, I was, I was when people ask me that, like, how do you get started? And for a performer, it's much easier because you just, you know, do open mics and coffee shops, and then it grows into more. But you know, but basically, you're just doing a lot of work in your house, <laughs> in your room, on your computer, and then, but there's no real showcase unless somebody bigger gets on board and mm-hmm. right. 
So like, how do you, you, is it literally just hours of Googling and asking dumb questions to Siri? I mean, even That's what just, I imagine it. Yeah. Doing any research at all puts you so far ahead of the pack because yeah. I mean, agents and publishers get, get letters from people all the time. Oh, sure. That's just like, I have written the perfect book mm-hmm. yesterday. Right. And <laughs> I'd perfect. like you to buy it immediately so that it's One out. million dollars. Yeah. Like legit People will people. literally, I mean, because agents will put these um, sometimes up on their blogs because they're so Like, please don't do amazing. this. Yeah. I mean, people will be like, you know, <laughs> this this book, J.K. Rowling ain't got nothing on me. You know? And you're yeah. like, are you, are you serious right yeah. now? You're comparing yourself to J.K. Rowling. I'm gonna my keep, book is better than the Bible. I'm going to keep sure. going back and forth because I can only relate this to music, but I have friends who are like, you know, A&R labels and they get the same, they, and there, there is a secret sort of submission uh, box of CDs that people have sent in that are like the best, like of the worst, you know, kind yeah. of thing where people are like, wow, they're literally singing in their phone while they're driving to work and then they just send it in yeah. and it's like, this is perfect. Somebody's going to hear it and, and realize my brilliance. It's the like first seven episodes of American Idol kind of thing. Like, where you're just like, oh, no. Oh, this oh, is no. not good. Yeah. I, it never hit me that that would happen also in the book world, probably in its whole, you I've know, seen, in its entirety like that. I've seen, like, um, I've been, like, at parties, and, like, an agent will be like, oh, I've got this query in my inbox that I've saved for, like, five years that is you show so amazing, people, and they pass oh. it around, and you read it, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And it's... And sometimes it's not even the writing itself. Because I kind of feel bad making fun of people's writing. Because everybody can get better. But it's like their attitude. Like yeah, their amazing yeah. ego that is like, That's the, I am the best thing. You're an idiot if you don't sign me. But uh-huh. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. I know. That's It's a little hard to be. Like the entitled people who have nothing to be entitled about. Yeah. Are a little hard to feel sorry for. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when they, like, especially when they come out of the gates. Like, well. You know. Yeah. And I think that's in, in life. But, right, but especially in any kind of artistic field. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to share? <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> I, I really just like my number one favorite thing is humility. Like I just don't dig people who. You're think the most humble person I've ever met. I just really. <laughs> well, thank you. That old joke. I do. That's a, that's a straight up I do joke. call myself very humble oh. every day in public. Well, it says it on your shirt <laughs> yeah. with, be- with bejeweled. And my hat says humble. <laughs> your trucker, your, uh, your asking really, for your trucker hat. It's too bad this isn't a video. I know. So well, we're just going to have to paint that picture for people. Yeah. I just really do. I feel like, yeah. I feel like in every, especially in all creative endeavors, like you just have to be humble. It's just so gross when you act like you're better than everyone. Mm-hmm. Like let people fall in love with your work and let other people say you're awesome. Like you shouldn't say it yourself. Yeah, you know that's mean? a good, <laughs> that's just a good life lesson. Yeah. yeah. Period. Just do it like head down, do the work. Yes. And yeah, there's a, I feel like every, I go through a cycle and maybe you guys can relate like where I just, where I'm really proud of what I'm doing. And then I, something doesn't go my way, even with something small. And I sort of get really hard on myself and then I feel like I'm a hack. And then I'm like, and then I get, and then it's when I'm at like lowest is when I'm sort of like, oh, it's just do the work. Like I'm, re- I'm like reminded again why I started doing it. Oh no, I love writing, so I'm just gonna do that and, and not worry about it. And then something good comes, because, you know, you gotta, for sure. Uh, I think it was Aristotle who said you got to check yourself. Before you, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember I the end so. of it. Yeah. You wreck right. yourself, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> yeah, it does. Man. He's really like Kelsey's name. He's. Eh, it doesn't really Full circle. Rhyme. Full circle. I know you guys don't write in rhyme like I do. That's not what a rhyming is. Oh, I do. Kelsey does. Kelsey oh, yeah, songs. you write songs. Yes. 
All right, Megan, you can leave. We're just going to talk. I don't. Okay. I'm in my wheelhouse now. We're entering the songwriting yeah. portion of the... No, that is interesting. I wanted to talk about that because you're... Because your book is Damsel Distressed. Sorry. Yes. Got it. Um, and w- what is the musical element that goes along with it, and how does that correlate? Okay, so Damsel Distressed is a book about a girl who's got a lot of problems, and I wrote this book, um, totally finished it, had it ready to go, got my agent, we're ready to sell it, and my agent finds out that I have this alter ego, that my husband and I are a band, and we've been making music together for a decade, and she figures out that there's this other part of my whole life and she's like, why have you not, why do you not talk about the, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like I should keep the music and the writing separate. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I, why? I don't know. <laughs> and then she was like, there's gotta be some way that we can bring these two worlds together because there is a, a small musical component in the book, in the narrative okay. of the book, because the girl loves musical theater. So we start brainstorming and all of a sudden it just hits me that my husband and I have, my husband is Darren and our band is Wedding Day Rain and we have a couple of songs that we've written that thematically kind of fit into the story. And all of a sudden it was just like this light bulb moment of we could write the musical story of this, this book and we could make a record and we could have this book. And if we do it right, then these two pieces of the same story could be, you know, expressed together. And so the way the book works is you read the book and then you come to, um, in between chapters, you'll see like a full page illustration that has a QR code embedded on the page. And if you scan the QR code, or you could just go to the website, um, you can stream, listen to the song that correlates with that part of the story. Yeah. So the music literally continues the narrative of the story. And it's not like musical style, like I'm walking down the street and I'm getting <laughs> the coffee. It's like her subconscious. So like on the page is yeah. like what she's actually saying, what she's actually thinking acutely. And then the music is like her subconscious and like what's inside. And um, we've, my husband Darren and I have finished writing all the songs and we're pumped and we're in the middle of like production mode. Oh, really? Like just chunking it out. And, um, I would love it if the yeah. songs were literally just the chapter you read, like verbatim. <laughs> just like, not, not quite that literal. Look that's in the sca- yeah, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. like well, what is this? I'm just listening to somebody sing the. No. So it's like the uh, soundtrack. I love that. <laughs> exactly. It is a soundtrack, so it's that's, the same. Has thing anybody as ever done that before? We don't. Think I've so. never heard of that before. I mean, I are, would never are you say. A like I would never say that it's the first time. Yeah. But I don't. But, but I, I will. But I haven't found anything that's just that. Yeah. There's some things that are kind of similar. Um, single songs have been done sure, about sure. a book, that kind of thing. But other yeah, artists, I might have done one of those. <laughs> other artists have written stuff yeah. for like books, but I don't that know any other that's like the author. Yeah. Have books have like had soundtracks before? I don't know. I don't think so. Because I think that would be even a cool. Whenever I talk about your book, I'm like, nobody's ever done this before. It's amazing. <laughs> I think it would, it, would, it would actually be a cool idea to to have a soundtrack that goes along with it. To even if it just sets the mood, and you just like. Once you get to this point, it's like a ding, like you put this song on or whatever. Is that, Yeah. I don't know, because these days everything is so interactive, like it has to be to keep people's attention, so I feel yeah. like they're adding some component like that. That sounds really ambitious. Was there any point when your agent is telling you this that you're just like, what am I getting myself into? Oh my God. I mean, Darren and I have almost killed each other <laughs> so many times. Is that why he's not here? <laughs> he, he won't be here till tomorrow. Okay. He is coming. We have a couple gigs this weekend, but... I just really, um, yeah, it's a huge undertaking because all the pressure and stress of writing and publishing a book, which is like off the charts, right? Yeah. That's like intense. All of that plus making a record on a deadline, making a record, like writing, recording, producing, mixing, mastering, getting everything off yeah. for production duplication. Like 
that entire process with a tight deadline too. And it all has to work together. The stories yeah. have to work together. The songs have to fit into the right place. And it kind of has to be and... released at the same time. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because it's two separate That'd be things. Somewhat yeah, it's... important. Yeah. So yeah, it's hardcore. I mean, I can't just putting out an album is like enough to just quit life and become a trucker in Montana. Yep. Just be like, I'm just gonna do this. Yeah. Uh, and sure. you know, to but to do both things is incredibly ambitious. Do you sleep at all? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do sleep. I sleep well because I'm exhausted. Yeah, that makes sense. I I sort of, because I I guess it was two years ago or whatever, I sort of found, I don't even know how it happened, but just on Twitter, I found you guys. I found a bunch of just like this whole world. It was seriously like I opened this door that was behind this, it was like the Keebler Elf House or something. And all of a sudden there were all these like YA authors and and very active on Twitter and and Instagram and very like interactive with people and they write everybody back and they're very, you know, it's almost like Twitter could just become, and I've I've entered this world too, where it could just become your full-time job. Because interacting and getting people excited about you as a person, you as a product, and then your actual product I mean, there, there are literally people, or teams of people hired to do that for you, for yeah. for some people. So to do it sort of indie style, and I feel like both of you do it really well, but then you have to create the thing that you people yeah. are tuning in. What do you, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? I disappear, basically, from Twitter and everything. Um, I'm terrible. You have that. to just I'm shut it out? at... Yeah, I, um, I'm getting better, I think, this year. Last year, I just fell off the face of the earth, which both of you pretty much were aware well, of. Because like, well, you wrote this book, Between. Yeah. So I wrote this book, Between, and I got uh, officially got the book deal in January of 2013. And it comes out July of this year, 2014, in case you all aren't aware of the year that we're in right now. Uh, but well, all of last year was spent revising. Oh, right. Sorry. No. Oh, we're in the future. Yes. Um <laughs> So all of last year was spent revising and multiple rounds of revising. And so I couldn't um, get on Twitter because it was a full-time job. Like, if I got onto Twitter the next thing I know, two hours have passed. I'm like, oh, I have work to do today. Yeah. So um, I'm not I'm not good at doing both because I'm very chatty and I like to talk to people. So yeah. people what? engage me on Twitter. I know it's This weird. is new because information. Because I'm a pretty quiet person. <laughs> I'm detecting sarcasm. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I can't. And then I, I do, Kelsey does a weekly vlog series, and I sort of do a weekly vlog series because sometimes I have to dis- disappear from that too. Like, mm-hmm. I just have to focus completely on the writing to get it done. I'm, I still struggle, and I've been doing this for 10 years, and I still struggle between the manager hat, the promoter hat, the artist hat, and then how to mesh those three together in different parts of the day. Like, sometimes I just have, yeah, I'll have to go away and be like, well, if the people want to enjoy the thing I'm going to put out in the future, they're just going to have to in- deal with me not being interactive or being around for a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm even like in the, in the coming months planning like a three month hiatus from all of it just cause I have to like, I'm not writing. I'm not, I'm just getting on and constantly promoting like not, me as a brand, you know, which is important. And a lot of people, I think the average person, it's all so funny whenever like I'll, I'll be condescending and call them the average person, <laughs> but people who don't have to promote, you know, themselves as a brand or product or whatever, who complain about the internet and social media and how there's drama or it's, or it's, you know, it, it's annoying or, you know, these people type of people, I'm like, you can go away. You can delete it and go like, we can't do that. Like we have to be there because, you know, I've, I've had musician friends who got tired of it, deleted Facebook, Twitter, all of it. And it's basically career suicide. Cause that's where, that's just the watering hole where everybody is. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is like this constant struggle to, 
you know, maintain that while making sure that your thing <laughs> that people are know you for is good, you know? Yeah. Because I'm sure we all know people who would just crank out stuff and they're like, it's it's a lot of stuff and it's impressive, but the quality could be better if they just waited or maybe didn't release the, you know, so much stuff. Like, I know artists that way where I'm just like, dude, it's all just okay, you yeah. know, or you're phoning it in or whatever. And it's just hard to balance because... On some level, you you understand the psychology of the more they hear your name, the more they see stuff from you, the more they have a, a perceived sense of legitimacy. Well, if you keep putting out stuff, like it must be good stuff. Like there must be a market for this mm-hmm. if it keeps being saturated in the market. Right. And you know, then there's the risk of backlash when people experience it and go. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, you, know? you do have to be careful about you know if you just have to constantly put out, put out, put out stuff. You know, if it's just mediocre or borderline bad, people will stop paying attention. Right. And it's really hard to get that audience back. Like, I'm, I'm very aware of that. I had a, a, a meeting with the, uh, my producer the other day, and he was like, I feel like you've, and I feel like you guys can say this too, like, we could all sort of go away. And we built up enough goodwill among the people who like us that we could actually, like, go away for a little bit and create, and then when we come back, people will be excited and they won't be like, you know, feel, feel abandoned or like have just forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that would happen. But there is always this thing in my brain because I've just conditioned myself as a self-promoting mm-hmm. thing that if I, like, if I don't put my name in the pot just by tweeting out something dumb or, or p- posting a video or something that, that pe- I'll just go away because everything on, on the internet yeah. just disappears, as, you know, as soon as you post it. <laughs> I feel like there are plenty of times where I'm, like, I'm just not doing enough. Like, I'm never doing enough. And I think that's always, I'm always going to feel that way. But um, yeah. even now with Between, I was just telling Kelsey yesterday, I'll see, um, like, several awesome people who will do, like, giveaways of Between, which is wonderful. Um, and I'll see in the comments, like, oh, I've never heard of this book. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> how have they not I heard know. of it? I've been I talking know. about it everywhere. But obviously, like, you forget, I think, that um, the world is so much bigger than these it's true. And it's really easy to not know about. Like, that's why stuff, any kind of media that pops and you're like, where did this come from? This is great. And then you go, if you really dive into the artist or the author or whoever it is, you'll see that they've actually been putting out stuff for a long time. <laughs> and like any, I don't remember who said it, but there's a quote where like any overnight success is like 10 years in the making, like mm-hmm. or longer, you know, like just because you didn't hear about it doesn't mean, you know, that it wasn't always there. Just... It takes longer to trickle into those circles. and That's why so many people are obsessed with like numbers on the internet, like getting this many views or this many Twitter followers or whatever. And it, because it's the more... But that doesn't necessarily mean that every single one of those people are reading everything that or you're putting... You. No, yeah, I know. It's such a... Well, maybe we should just create and not worry about it so much. <laughs> what do you guys think as far as like what's more valuable? Because we, we, as creators, it's so easy to get caught up in the quantifiable data. It's like, shouldn't the number of downloads or the number of Twitter followers or the number of Goodreads ads, like shouldn't those things have a value? What has more value? Those numbers or like those, that single person that emails you and says, I just want you to know that I read your book. And like, it just meant so much to me. Like how we should just quit then or be able to quit and be like, good. I reached a person. Like why do we spend so much time focusing on this? Like, you know, this ambiguous number of, like, not even necessarily interactive numbers, just, like, big numbers versus, like, this one experience that's, like, personal mm. that someone seeks you out and says, hey, by the way, this song, you really, really touched me. Like, it just oh, really thanks. meant a lot. You know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, you're always an example. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it's because we, we have been raised in this capitalism, this capitalistic society where, you know, more is more, not less. You know, it's, it's very, it's all quantity over quality, you know, and 
very few people can reach the point where quality and quantity are both, you know, right. high volumes or whatever. Right. So, uh, I, I think that we're just, it's just conditioned in our brain that more is the best. And but there, that's the problem is that if you're if you're not happy with having you know five thousand people care about your thing, you're not going to be happy with ten million. It's just not. You're always going to be more and more and more. And then I, I think it just. But that's the hardest place to get to. And I don't even. I, I'm not there. I don't know how you get there. Yeah. But I, you know, I have to remind myself of that because I'm just, you know, I can get so down on myself and vent and be like, I don't think anybody cares about this thing. When I have evidence, like people have emailed me, I have people who who tweeted me or whatever right. and say like, you know, this is my favorite song of the year or something. Right. You know, I should always be able to look back and be like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and that should be enough. But for some reason, because there is a there is a uh, we talk about a lot on this podcast, but there's a lot of like there there's a there there's a um, like a fine line between sort of being hungry for that stuff and just and being over the top needy right you know mm-hmm. like there's a healthy like oh like oh that's great i'll use this you know whatever even if it's just jealousy of somebody else who's doing more than you or whatever i'll use that as like to fuel my fire and really like you know whatever i'll it's just like a competitive edge when you're you know in sports or whatever you're just using that to make you run faster work harder right but it's so easy to fall off the edge and become in the in like the toxic waste and just get super bitter and you know and just sit around and, and stew in that and that stuff and the the line between hungry and needy in this town specifically <laughs> is super thin because I've met both and I've it's so hard to explain to somebody like you know it, you could be a go getter without annoying everybody because you know like look at me look at me look at me look that that whole syndrome is just you know. The, I mean, and I know because the Bachelor is in town right now, um, and they are and they casting and and I guess they're doing a Nashville Bachelor. I don't know what they're doing, but out of the peripheral of, of my internet. What time's your audition? So, well, it's it's uh, okay. three. We need to get okay. out of here. <laughs> okay. I'm actually I'm I'm gonna, really I'm gonna be the it, first so. of the first male on a Bachelor show. So it'll cool. be me and fifteen females. Nice. And, uh, I just want to be his bro. You know, it's, it's not gay. It's not weird. I just want to be like his sidekick, you know. And it was, you know, stuff gets personal than whatever. Uh-huh. Um, no, but the, but and that's the that's like the neediest place on earth is like these people who are entering this entering this world of just like I just want to get on TV. They're literally like I, I saw a clip from the last Bachelor where the girl was like, "I'm really looking forward to falling in love with you." Like that's the worst sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm literally I'm just here for screen time. You know, like that's. Yeah so desperate and needy and some of those people some of those girls will get like hosting jobs on e-news or something in the future and that depresses me yeah but um i digress that's a long answer to something that somebody asked at some point how long have we been here why do i when did i get this beard who's the president um there are two tvs in here i know isn't that weird you guys are balling we're in we're in uh kelsey megan's hotel room and and they're Ballroom with two TVs. We're like two very beds. fancy. Why haven't you moved this TV in front of the other bed? And I know. Just... I totally thought <laughs> about black it. imagination. <laughs> and <laughs> just get. A, I want a picture of you just sitting in bed watching the same program on your own TV. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's... your noise made with this TV apparently goes with that couch, but it's not. Very... It doesn't. It's it not centric. Matter. It's not. Yeah. Cent- yeah, they're they're this little sweet thing is not. It not so sweet, you know what I'm saying? Up top. Nice. Um, that was not an actual high. Oh, come on! <laughs> that was a Don't ruin the illusion. Podcast magic. It really is, you guys. <laughs> I this is this whole world. I was saying earlier, like meeting all uh, all of, or getting to know through the internet or whatever. It's sort of the same as meeting a, lo- a lot of like the YA authors, and I want to talk about like why why YA specifically, 
But it, it's such a new world because I, I'm, I, you're cranking out like books, like like Megan, you're doing this trilogy and you're cranking out like a book a year. That's insane to me. Who I because I I that would be like writing an album a year and I, and I like I said I'd become a trucker in Montana because I would just be <laughs> like I'm done. Uh, yeah. But it is this whole interesting new world and also just the more you sort of. I look into it, 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 the correlations between, you know, writing a book and writing an album or whatever, like between music and books is so, and you, you know this too, cause you're literally doing both Kelsey, <laughs> right. but like there it's weirdly similar. Like we're like cousins essentially, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, what, <laughs> and, and I'm, I know, you know, I, I started writing songs in my bedroom and I want to record them. This is fun. And then at some point that the sort of illusion of like, this is, everything is magic goes away. Uh, at what point for you guys was not to get super dark, but like at some point the sort of this is fun and my vision is coming really and you wake up every day and pinch yourself that goes into goes away and, and you start realizing that the work has to be done because a lot of people are relying on you. Yeah. How does that sort of affect go moving forward? It was between your first completed novel, Megan. Uh, you wrote Moby Dick, right? Right. Under that pen name. Aside from that. Um, I don't know why I went with that one. It's like 100 years old. <laughs> no, I could have said Harry Potter or something. I wrote Gone with the Wind. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was the first publishable novel, I guess I should say. Okay, because then, I don't know, then maybe our experiences aren't exactly the same. For me, it was, I mean, you can only write a book for the first time once. And there was something so sweet about the anguish of writing this novel and coming home every day after work I'm a middle school teacher and being exhausted and staying up all night and drafting and working you have and a job fighting <laughs> oh yes full time what so, is your superpower other than being yeah. ex- extremely uh, productive without yeah. sleep because I don't believe that you sleep keep it's going it's true Sorry. I do no it's okay so there was something so sweet about the anguish of coming home and like working and like toiling over this and bleeding over this and crying over this book and just pushing through it. And because there was some level of ignorance about what it really was and you didn't know what it could be and it could totally. be something amazing or it could be nothing and you were just doing it just for the love of doing it. Mm-hmm. That's all. And as soon as you get an agent or as soon as you get a book deal or as soon as you figure out what the next step is, everything is different and everything is changed. Because writing the second book after you like have stepped up to the next level, it is not the same anymore. And to try and get back to that place of like, like innocence and ignorance and just being able to just like write is you, you so You sort of hard. have to like summon the pure love for it again. It's like every so time. It's so hard. Cause it, it gets tucked in a box somewhere cause you be, you have to put on like, per, like professional hat, you yeah. know? That's Some, true. Something as simple as drafting becomes like walking through quicksand because now you know that that first draft is, number one, going to suck. Number two, is going to go through rounds and rounds of edits that are going to make you want to jump off a building. And number three, they're <laughs> probably building. not Just even going to... Yeah, they're not even going to end up being the same words by the end anyway because you know that they're going to be revised and changed and edited. So mm. all of a sudden, you're like stuck in your head about... You can't even make yourself put words on the page because you're like, well, these don't even matter. Like, they're not even yeah. the real words anyway. They're going to be changed. It's going to... I mean, oh. it's just... It's so hard. Well, like with Between, um, Between has been written like five or six times with different endings and different point of views and past tense of present tense. I mean, it's been written so many times the same book. Um, and so, yeah, before I got the book deal, 
I chose on my own. Like, oh, I want to change this from past to present tense, and I want this to be first person instead of third, and that kind of thing. Um, after I got the book deal, and we went through the edit letter, so you're, when you get a book deal, your edit, editor, editorial team will read it and make their own notes. And they send you a letter that has, like, all the changes that they oh. suggest. I so, think my first one was 26 pages or something like that. Like, it was huge. Oh, yeah. Why do they get to, why do they get to well, tell you what your to editor. do? Oh. You've signed the contract. But what if, and my, I immediately go to the defensive, like, well, what have you written <laughs> that tells me? Well, I typically, I mean, my editor is, is an author. And, okay. um, but, and we have the same editor. Okay. Um, but also, before you sign a contract, like, um, like I had a talk with my editor and she kind of told me, here's what I see for your book. And that's when she talked about, because Between was originally just one book, and she was like, have you thought about making it a trilogy and all these other things? And so before I signed a contract, you know, we had a discussion to sort of make sure we're on the same page. Have you thought about signing three years of your life away <laughs> instead of just the one? You have no, yeah, you have no idea until you get into it. When I got that first edit letter... <laughs> Wait, so you turned one book into three. It wasn't originally three. Mm-mm. So do you just take the ending to the first one and put it at the end, or do you just create a whole okay. new story? You create a whole new story. Okay. Yeah, because I had to I had to make the plot so much more complex to be able to have enough places to go for three books. Yeah. And then each book you has to have its own story like arc. You new characters and stuff oh, to yeah. throw in to kill off, spoiler alert, later? I don't yeah. Know. I've got new characters, would... and I got rid of some old characters. And... Okay, I want to talk about that. Okay. Because I know just from writing that I get I get really precious with like certain melodies or certain like lines and stuff. I can't imagine writing a character and falling in love with it or becoming feeling like it's a part of you or it's its own thing, and then you have to. And if you get it, somebody else comes in and says, "Yeah, that guy needs to die." Mm-hmm. That's like seriously like going to a high school reunion, showing your new friend all your old friends, and you're like. Oh yeah, Jake. He needs to die. Yeah. <laughs> I had a character um, who her name's Lulu, and um, she is a pixie in the book, and she's been there from the very first draft of Between. And I love her, and she is this. Uh, she has this big Southern accent. She's total Southern. Belle. Yes, Southern yeah. Belle fairy, basically right. pixie. Love it. And um, she loves country music, like the she old stuff. She doesn't make it, does she? You're setting me up to no, love no. this character. Okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, and I based her. I called her Lulu because my best friend Melissa. We call her Lou, and so you know, so I based her on my oh, best friends. Yeah. And then I think like my third edit letter, my editor was like, "Yeah, I think we're gonna have to get rid of Lulu." And I mean, I, I. Nearly died, and my editor called me that night. I hadn't talked to her. Like I got the edit letter, and I was like, I can't even, cannot even right now. And yeah. she called me, and she's like, You okay? And I was like, Nope, mm-mm, not okay. Well, that means you have to go back through and completely change everything. 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 Have, I'd have to rewrite. It's like book. removing yeah. a thread yes. from like a larger blanket, and it'd be still work as a blanket. And right. the thing was, and they, it's not that they were wrong. Like with all the changes I'd made to make between a trilogy, Lulu didn't really have a very important purpose anymore. She did originally. In the original book, she had she was a big part of it. But she would sort of, her role had shifted. And I was like, oh no, they're right. Oh. But I can't get rid of Lulu. And so I had to, I still had to do a lot of rewriting to make her important. And then um, make sure that her role became bigger in the later books. The, first line, the first line of the book is, Lulu is the most important. <laughs> and she will be here forever. <laughs> she, like, she cannot die. But we went to... Um, well, I got this edit letter right before I went to this book expo in New York last year. 
and it was the first time I got to see like my editorial team face to face and she was like we're gonna go out to eat together and discuss this and I was like oh god no and like I'm sitting there trying not to cry yeah. it's ridiculous how um, emotional I was about this because I just did not want to get rid of her and I was so worried that they were just gonna be like mm, sorry but but they let me keep her I talked to them oh okay we had this whole thing she's still there which makes me happy but it was it was really dramatic so when you read between people you, better you love appreciate Lulu, Lulu. I keep thinking, I'm like, she's, that's what I kept telling them. I'm like, you guys don't understand. She's going to be, people, there are going to be people who are like, that is my favorite character. Yeah. Because she's just great. But, um, I'm so glad I got to keep her. My, I was not as lucky. With <laughs> are my, you serious? With my character. Um. Well, you should have gone first. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It, it'll have a happy ending. Yeah. Um. So my story has a lot of sort of darker elements because um, one of the primary sort of purposes in my life is being an advocate for young people who have emotional behavioral difficulties. Um, I'm a big proponent of um, mental health awareness and destigmatization. And so in this story about a girl who's got a lot of problems, there was this side character that I loved so much that was also um, experiencing a lot of difficulties. And this character named Piper, um, she had selective mutism because she had been through some crisis. So I literally had a character on the page who in a first-person novel, right? So I have a character on the page who can't talk, and the main character whose perspective you're in can't know what she's thinking, can't know what she's doing, really, because right. she chooses not to... She's, she doesn't speak. Yeah. So she, to me, was always this, like, beautiful symbol, and she, like, did some things for the character that I felt were, like, really, like, cool and interesting without words, and I just loved sort of... I just... I made her precious. I made her precious to myself. I thought yeah. that it was just so special and weird and cool. And eventually, the editorial team was like, you know, she's not really doing anything. And we're in a stage right now where we need to prune some stuff. And if you combined the elements of this and this and this, then her character really becomes obsolete. If you gave these specific tasks to this other character, then you wouldn't have a need for this person on the mm. page who literally doesn't do anything. And I called Megan, oh, and I was in mourning. I mean, I mourned Did you the loss at least agree? Did you see what they were, where they were coming from? I totally from? understood yeah. what they meant. Um, but I loved but her. But you were so cool, yeah. I loved her, and I loved Oh, we're that talking she... about her in the past since no. already. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I loved the symbol that she was. Yeah. Like, I felt like it was this important little thing that, like, maybe there's a kid who has that exact same shade of problem who's going to see yeah. themselves, you know, in this little side character and feel less alone and... I was just like, I mean, I was in mourning. I was in mourning. I was weeping. I'm yeah. uncontrollably, I was devastated. And in the end, um, my husband, you know, was, you know, trying to make me <laughs> feel better. And he was like, you know, like the heart of this character doesn't have to exist just on these pages of this book. And the heart of this character could be in any other number of situations, in any other number of settings, in any other number of, of, of books that you have in you. And all of a sudden, this like wave of relief, you know, wa you know, washed over me. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Like, she's mine. And I made her. And like, I can find another home for her in the future if I, if I try to find another place for her where she'll have more weight and more importance or whatever. So, yeah. um, she will live on in another, and honestly, now that I'm working on another project where she's involved, she's not even the same character. Uh, she's similar, has some common things, but like she's been transformed by the setting of this other project. So like, I mean, she's not even quite the same, but her essence is the same and it <laughs> right. makes me feel better that she 
like you still know, there. still like, in existence. Back That's then. where even when like last time I was writing my last album, if there were several premises for songs or lines that I loved, and every time like you know I would get really excited about it, or I would build a whole song around it, and I literally went in, and my producer was like, "It doesn't really." Like, everything else works but this one line. And I'm like, he doesn't know that that's what I built. I was like, that's the foundation in my head. Yeah. You know, but then he's like, these, these aren't, like, constantly reminding me that these aren't the last ten songs I'll ever write. I was like, you're going to write more. There will be other projects. So put that, and I I have a notebook and a notes app on my phone where I literally just have, like, single lines or, like, stuff to build from, you know. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And it's also, so it's, you know, and that's the way they build buildings, too. Like, they'll put, you know, you build essentially you know, a platform around a thing, a skeleton at least, you know, and you, you can remove that and the thing will exist and use that at another time, you know. Yeah. But it's so hard because it, it, I don't know how to tell people. I always tell people, like, don't get precious with your material, just, like, whatever, like, you know, but it's how do you not? Like, if you want it to matter and care, to, if you want other people to care, you have to care about it. Mm-hmm. But you also have to be okay with your heart being ripped out. Yeah. Oh. We do this. We do this on purpose to ourselves. I know. Nobody's making us do. I think about that all the time. <laughs> so masochistic. I mean, it really is. Like I think I've said to both of you, like, I constantly think about how much less stress I would be under if I didn't do this because yeah, um, I could just focus on being like a good mom and hang out with my kids and do like my house stuff and whatever. Yeah. And but instead, like, I have all that that I never feel like I'm doing very well at either. And then plus. I don't get any sleep because I stay up all night trying to write these books. Like, yeah. what do people do who don't do this stuff? Like, how much free time do they have? <laughs> but I know there, there are people who even listen to this podcast that have written in and they say, like, they have, like, these ideas, but they they lack the drive or they just don't. And they're like, I don't ever know. I don't know what the end game is going to be, so I just won't do it. And I, th- I think I'd rather be where I am than just feel like unfulfilled something in the back of my head all the time where I'm you know whatever and I know some people like I was that way for a long time and I was finally like okay I just gotta do this or you know I have to put everything else that's distracting me aside and just do it and just so I can satisfy that one little voice in the back of my head and then you know good things come from that but yeah it's definitely like I, I think about that all the time especially when I'm on tour and I'm the, I've been on the road for weeks and I'm just tired and I'll see like a family in a restaurant. I'm like, look at these idiots. <laughs> they got it all figured out. They're going to go home. They're going to sleep eight hours tonight. They're going to watch Big Bang Theory. They're so relaxed. Yeah, I bet they get to watch TV. Uh, yeah, I, know. I don't get to watch TV. Like, this is ridiculous. I was like, I. that's when I'm the most aware that I have the weirdest job. Or when, it, when people want to like, you know, go to coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, in a weekday. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm weird. Everybody else is like, there are people in this hotel working right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the weird one. Definitely the weird one. Because at the same time, like, I have those moments where I get really frustrated and stressed out, and then I'm like, you know, what, two weeks ago, I'm in New York signing my book for people who have, like, lined up and got That's tickets amazing. to have me sign their book. Right. So it's like, it's, 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 it's my dream. It's what I want. Yeah. But I just have to. It's just, when it's your dream when you're a little kid, you have no idea how much work and sacrifice it takes. I wonder if it's harder... When you have a dream, like you just said, it's been your dream since you were a little kid, and a lot of people, you know, they have that too. You know, and I did for to a certain extent. I wanted to do music since I was like thirteen, which I would classify as a kid. But even like I, you know, you know, people who are really young, little kids who want to, you know, write and they're constantly writing. And you guys are probably this way too. I wonder if like if the dream you've been holding, the longer you've been holding onto it, the longer or the more sort of uh, crushing it is. Maybe when you get. Because it's in crushing in a good way. I don't mean to, like, you know, 
crap on people's dreams. But, you know, <laughs> if you're pursuing it and you really want it and you, nobody else really sees it as dire as you see it, right. it's so frustrating. I wonder if it's more frustrating than if you just went to college and you're like, I don't, I don't know what my major's going to be, and you're 20, and then you're like, oh, I guess I'll do finance, and then you fall in love with finance, yeah. and it's only been your dream for, like, what, three years, and now you're trying, you're, you know, if you don't get a job in it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's even, probably so, probably more I, crushing I mean, the longer you hold on to it. I mean, by the time I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, I was like, I'm going to be a singer. Like, I'm going to be a singer. I know I'm going to be a singer. It's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I know, I know, I know. And I was writing songs just like you in the bedroom, mm-hmm. and, you know, some good songs, some bad songs, some real bad songs, <laughs> and, um... I really thought it was going to happen, and I was a working musician by the time I was 16, and I was, you know, building up that college fund, and, you know, around the time I was 18, you know, I had, you know, a set of circumstances and a set of opportunities that I really thought was going to be like, this is it, this is it, you know, it's going to happen for me, and when it didn't, I went into, you know, this hole of self-doubt of, you know, what did I walk away from, like, was this the right decision, like... What if I don't ever get another chance? And I think that what I learned with age is that it isn't about giving up on a dream. It's about being willing to let the dream change, like truly. Like that's what mm. it's about. And like just because you thought it was supposed to look like this or you thought it was supposed to be this this specific thing, this specific way that you've dreamed it, like it doesn't have to be that specific thing. Like if you will give your dreams some room to change, then like you don't ever have to give up on them. Um, and it took a long, long time. That's huge. To get from 18 huge. to 30. Like, yeah. it's a long time. But now I really do get years. to experience, <laughs> I really do get to experience a dream coming true. Even yeah. though it's not the same dream, it's a way better dream yeah. and way more fulfilling. Like, And like, you just know yourself better as oh, an yeah. older person. For sure. You just do. For sure. Because I had that exact same thing where I had a very specific idea and... And not to get too specific, but in the last six months, I've been, the thing that I wanted to do when I started music, when I was like 14, 15, started writing, I had that essentially handed to me. And it, mm-hmm. and I thought about it for, I didn't even have to think, I, I had to turn it down because it was just like, that's not, man, that is not, that would negate the past 10 years of what I've built up yep. to be. And it just doesn't fit who I am now because I did sort of, you really do have to sort of open that up to, you know, like be specific enough to know who you are but like you have to open it up to to breathe a little bit sure. because you can be absolutely crushed we all can't like jimmy fallon wanted to be on snl that's the only thing he ever wanted to do the only thing he told his agent and he got it and then he after that he said i'd like to host a tonight show and now he's doing that yeah that is like 0.00001 percent of people because yeah. right. you, you really just have to be like I, when i started saying it to myself like i just want to be creative like i quit my last day job whatever it was four years ago i feel like i should have like an aa chip uh, but like, I was just like, I just, if I'm getting paid to do anything creative, that's a win, you know? And, and i and as soon as you open yourself up to that, exactly. like there's no sort of, you know, being down on yourself for not, you know, opening for Counting Crows or whatever, or whatever cool. you know? Like that's my exact same aspiration. I want to be able to be a professional creative person. Yeah. So I mean, that's, like, and there's so many people in town who are starting to put, just put that on their business card, like creative. Yeah. And it, and I think that's amazing because it, you, that kind of fits any anything and so you know and now I'm, I'm getting just like by I've always wanted to do a podcast and so since I knew what they were I wanted to do one I started doing one it took me years to do it but then now I'm getting asked to like host shows and I'm like you know I play music too I could do that but it's fun it's another part of the creative thing you know it, yeah. like you didn't know you were going to write a book Kelsey right. like you know when you were dreaming about being a musician but no idea and now you get to do both pretty cool 
And now you're a pioneer, and I'm saying it. It's on record. I am not saying it. <laughs> why? I, I do want to ask why specifically young adult as as a genre, or is it just something that came out naturally and it was like, oh, because this is be, where this is where it fits. The book doesn't have to be as good. The plot doesn't have to be as complex. It can be shorter. I'm writing crappy. Yeah. There was an there was an article that came out like a few weeks ago that was that. Basically. Oh really? Yeah. It was like if you're an adult and you read young adult, you should be ashamed. It was like, I feel like it's this perfect middle ground between like kids books. I mean, it literally is a middle ground between kids books and like more adult stuff. But you know, like I remember being eleven, twelve, even you know, even in like junior high years, and I was I was like reading everything in sight because I was, you know, not necessarily an adult brain, but I understood yeah. a lot of adult mm-hmm. themes, and you really started learning that stuff, and it makes perfect sense that it would kind of hit. Well, I mean, young adult now I think is a lot different than it was ten years ago. It's not the same as what I was reading when I was. Reading young adult, Judy Blume, like Lurleen McDaniel's, oh, like uh, Sweet Valley High, yeah, oh, yeah. Babysitters Club, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that I know anything about that, right? You you read the whole series. <laughs> I'm a Stacy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, of course you are. Yeah, I don't think you more with Claudia, but well. the um, so <laughs> I don't know how to like you all will know this, but like I'm not that great of an adult in general. Like I don't. Not good at adulting. I'm not good at adulting. I'm not. Um, I still. Feel, I don't think anybody is. I mean, I, I have a theory. Yeah, like I constantly feel like I'm, you know, just a kid still trying to figure everything out, and I'm 34. So at this point, I would have thought at this point I would have things figured out, and so I just feel like I um have it just comes more naturally to me. The voice of young adult uh, when I sit down to write comes more naturally, and I still. I mean, I talk. I, I'm ridiculous. Like I say, dude, all the time, and word, and you know things like that. Thirty-four-year-olds generally, yeah, should not say. So <laughs> I, I think that I, my but, entire so adult too. life has been based around young people. I mean, I as a teacher, like well, that makes sense. Yeah, they're just my most, heart. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just feel like young people just uh, to have that much potential and to have like that much opportunity in front of you, and like at that at that time of your life, like, it's so easy to, like, not see it mm-hmm. because you're caught up in these other little things. And I just think that's such a cool, I don't know, I just think it's such a cool time of life to focus on. Like, when you literally have the whole world in front of you, but you're more worried about, like, the guy who's sitting behind you in algebra class. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like, you don't even know that you could change the whole world. You could yeah. change the whole world, but there's a boy behind you that you like. Like, I just think that's so I got hit with cool. a, I got hit with a feeling like that last week or the week before where I woke up on a... No, no, I was driving home from something, the grocery store probably, because I live there, but uh, <laughs> on a Friday night, and I got the feeling of Friday night when I was in fifth grade, yeah. you know? Or like just, because when you're a kid, summer is a whole other story, but similar, the, the Friday, like five o'clock Friday, even like 3.30 Friday, yeah. is like infinite potential, yeah. because you have this like two and a half days and I felt that. And I hadn't felt it in ages. I still wanted to go and watch Full House and Family Matters. But yeah. it was this sort of yeah. like, oh, yeah. I was like, and I think I think it's because I, I work every day, you know. I just have to. And then I, I think I just purposely didn't schedule anything for the weekend. And I felt this like, oh, I don't do anything. I could, yeah. you know. And that that goes away at some point, and I hate that. I think I have a theory that adults are always trying to reclaim, mm-hmm. you know, that. In some way that we're all just kids, who are, who are just in, we're just in larger bodies and we're just doing the, you know, we're the same kid that we were, sure. and, you know, and I think that's why a lot of adults read, you know, YA and it resonates just as strongly, you know, yeah. because there's, those feelings never really go away, they just sort of morph and, you know, in turn or whatever, you know. 
So. They get hidden behind mortgage and utility bills. Or an ideal of what we're supposed yeah, to be. you know, or a day job or whatever your, yeah. your thing may be that, like, masks that. But when you're young and you just, like, it's just not as filtered. Like, it's just yeah. everything's under the surface. Like, just right there and tension and everything's a big deal. And, and riding from that viewpoint, it just hit me, like, you, nobody is more expressive and over dramatic and, and, and passionate and, 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 yeah. yes no, in, yeah. in a really fun way too yeah. than that age group mm-hmm. and you can write that way and, yeah. and, yeah, and it's, it, it's great and it's got to be fun to not sort of write really complex dark weird like adult characters that's boring to me I, yeah. <laughs> but I just, mean the, you know like it's all the complexities and all that are, are still there it's just um yeah I, I feel like the characters are more fun in young adult I mean they're just like unapologetically self-involved. It's just like what you're saying. Like they have all these other things yeah. but they are so, you know, they're constantly just thinking about like, themselves. Like I feel like if I how were, they fit in. Yeah. Like if I were writing an adult book, I could still write it with all the same tension and all the True. same problems and all the same stuff, but I would have to also be aware of the fact that like, well, how is this character going to pay her rent this month? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. it always would have to be there and it's like this like film over over the top of everything that I don't want to have to like see the world through. Like, but do you have you know to I mean? think where are these people's parents? Because yes. anytime, Sometimes. anytime that I watch a, a, a TV show that's geared towards kids or even like Charlie Brown, I'm like, where are his parents? It's, like a, it's a big joke. People are like, well, of course they're at boarding school. Everybody goes to boarding Everybody. school because so the parents easy. can't be there. Yeah, it's you just have to ride in a headmaster and that's it. <laughs> it's a big problem. It's like, where do the adults go? You know? Yeah. How are these 14-year-olds out solving also, murders? Kids, I don't understand. Kids just like live in a world where they don't focus on adults really. They so don't. Because adults serve one purpose and it's really to just be sort of in charge. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're taking care of everybody. I mean, I wasn't aware of my parents paying bills or you know, moments when we were really poor, you know, whatever. I'm just, like, living... I, I have this whole, you know, universe that exists in my head. So it makes perfect sense if you really want to look through it through that lens why it would sort of... It would make sense. Kids barely know that adults are around, like, ever. Like, even at school. Like, there were times that they'd be like, oh, you're in here? And I'm like, yes, I've been trying to teach I you for left. 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, sometimes it's like they're just totally invisible, which kind of makes sense when in YA they're invisible because... Yeah, I think- to kids, they just... I like, like that, actually. Oh, yeah. I like that removing yeah. the adults from the situation. <laughs> like, my mom, when I was growing up, my mom and I were super close. So, if I was writing a YA book about my life, then my mom would be a central character because I talked to her about everything. Mm-hmm. My dad, where he worked all the time, all the time. Like, all the time. All the time. time. He worked all the hey, time. Hey, Kentucky. <laughs> he was gone a lot um, just during the day and on the phone about work stuff at night. So... My dad, he would be someone that my editor would have been like, you need to cut this character from the book. He doesn't play a role. And it's not that, I mean, he, he, my dad was great. I don't want to always make it sound like he wasn't. But as far as being central to some, like, YA romance, yeah. where I was talking about my, my, my boyfriend, my yeah. dad would not be involved in those conversations, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's a big thing with YA. People complain about that. They're like, it's not realistic that their parents aren't around. And I'm like, well, no, but they're not central characters to the story then then what do you do with them um you got to figure out something and sorry but it is totally real like there are so many kids that like don't even see their parents for three days at a time like oh, that's yeah. totally a real thing like I you may not want to think it parents. is they didn't want them yeah. around and, yeah. maybe you were always like i'm telling you like they're kids who are like friday night bye i'm going to Susie's house and they don't see her till sunday yeah, yeah like, so I know, I like, that's a real thing i was weird as in, in how close i was with my mom and still am Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that's weird as much as, I mean, I, 
I'm just saying I can make myself feel better because I am too. <laughs> but I was just, I mean, I honestly, like, I, I was home every Friday night until I was 17, essentially, uh, because I didn't start driving until I was 17, and I lived in the country, and so my friends didn't want to drive and pick me up, you know. So, but that, that's the time, like, 15 to 17 is when I started, I picked up the guitar because there's nothing else to do, and I started writing because I had this, like, outlet that needed to, you know, be filled, and so if, if I was, you know... It's. I, I think about that all the time, like it, just in general. But if one thing had shifted this way, what would it, you know? It could change the whole you know butterfly effect kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like we were talking about it earlier. Like if we removed just the creative part of our brain, who would we be? We would we would be completely different people because it is all encompassed in our lives. Yeah. You know, but it would be so interesting to sort of you know see because I know people who are trying. I was talking to my dad about this, who's also a musician. You know, and he he taught college for years and he said these students would come in and they're and they're technically good musicians but they don't understand the sort of the the x factor that needs to be there yeah they just don't understand like well i'm doing everything i'm following this formula like well there's no real formula when you're creating because a lot of times it's shutting your brain off and just writing Mm -hmm. you know whatever comes out free form and a lot of times nuggets come in you're like oh i do think that or this or this character's point of view is you know, indicative of my own or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I had a roommate for a while who, who learned to play guitar technically and mathematically. And he, he couldn't write a song to save his life, but he knew how to mi- mimic other people's. And he would always be like, you know, how do you, how do, you do this? Yeah. I'm like, I can't explain. I really, it's something you really can't explain because you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Suckers. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Darren and I have definitely gone into sessions um, to write a song and... Um, we just can feel the the slogging through. You can feel that it's not falling into place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next day or the next day or the next day, you sit down and it's like done in, you know, 15 minutes. I know. And the whole song's up. It's stupid. It's, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But it is, there is an intangible. Clearly there is some other, you know, component involved because there's no other reason why the same two people in the same room with the yeah. same, you know, core idea, central thought for this song would be able to, like, compose nothing one night and then two days later, like, blow something out of the water, like, on, you know, in, in minutes. Yeah. So it's cool. I like tapping into that feeling. Like, it's so much, if we could have that all the time. I know. Oh, everything would be so easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's just it. It wouldn't be nearly as exciting or interesting because it would so be true. super easy. We'd be so cocky. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> we'd be so cocky. I read a book last week. <laughs> I know it's non, just nonstop. There's okay. a new movie trailer with Scarlett Johansson where she plays a character where she uses all of her brain. So I think it's called Lucy. It'll probably be out by the time this, this podcast is out. But but she and she's like that where she just like learns Russian overnight. This she becomes this super. Uh-huh. Because she can access all of her brain. That's cool. <clears throat> and I'm like, I would. That's what I want. <laughs> I was like, sign me up for whatever happened to her yeah. in the movie that makes her be that way. But th- that's why those movies are so appealing. That's why superhero movies are so appealing. Because it's like, oh, if I could just have this thing, this ability. But we kind of do. Not to like, you know, overspeak. But you know, if you just and I talk to, I mainly just surround myself with artistic people. But if you talk to just, you know, even your parents, like you know, or like my grandmother for the first time just listened to like some songs that I put out. And she was just like, how does, how does he do that? <laughs> to my parents, through like my parents showed her some songs, and it was a, you know, she's always been really fun and supportive of me. But it was fun to hear her sort of be like, I, can you explain? And I'm like, no, I just can't, because yeah. you just, you know. And also, I'm sure with you, you write a book and then you live with it forever and you revise it a million times. I'm sure, like if I ask specific where this passage come from, some of them you probably couldn't even tell me because mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. 
there are plenty of times I've talked about a lot where the um, there are lots of big moments in between that I had not planned, and it's just like I was riding along, and all of a sudden this happens, and I was like, oh wow, did not see that coming. Which people are like, how does that happen? You wrote the book, and I'm like, I know, but I did not. Is it like just happened? It sounds crazy to say this, but is it like the characters led you? Yeah, totally. There, yeah. I mean, character. I mean, (laughs) between is very character driven, Um, and so yeah, just as the characters get in conversations, and that's been happening with the second book, which makes me happy because when that starts happening is when I know like it's gonna be okay and it's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm not forcing anything, Um, but they'll have a conversation and they just kind of have banter back and forth, and then all of a sudden one of them says something, and I'm like, wow. Whoa! But you're just doing you're just whatever comes natural, mm-hmm. and you're you're you are the character. Essentially, you are in the mind of it, so it makes sense that that would sort of like how would they react to this thing? Yeah, or, you know the characters. You know, somewhere. or what would what would, what's the interesting thing that could happen, yeah. and how would these characters react to it? I can see how that that sort of being a rush, being really fun to be like, well, what can I put in the way that they have to overcome now? Mm-hmm. You know, and how does that set forth the rest of the. But I think I'm gonna write a book today, you guys. Oh, do it. I've learned you so much. You sound really, yeah. really prepared. Can I just call Amazon later and they'll put it up? Is that yeah? It? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah tomorrow, just to call them. Yeah, I was gonna call eBay and have them pick up some stuff from my house. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's how that works. Right? That's how all of that works. <laughs> oh. Maybe you call Google. Yeah. <laughs> and let them know gonna, about you. Well, yeah, I think it's on the. Is it on the office where Michael Scott calls wants to call YouTube because he he wants to have a press conference or something? He's like, I'm gonna call YouTube and have him come down and film this thing. Like I just wanna call Google and be like, hey, I exist. Thanks. Yeah. I want to call Wikipedia. I've done so many Wikipedia-worthy things. Finally, I made myself a Wikipedia page like five years ago. I've always wondered about this. They will take it down. There are Wikipedia <laughs> elves who, there's thousands of them, and they will double check. And for some reason, they know through the IP address who put it up, and if they see it's your name, they will take it down. It is. It was down within 15 minutes of me p- posting it. Why don't we just Why make a Wikipedia ring and like we'll just put it up for each other? Well, they will probably have listened to this podcast and never going to do it. <laughs> it's nuts. It's You're not allowed to crazy. make your own Wikipedia page? You can't make your own because you can write whatever you want on it. But yeah, but, but they can still check it. Well, that's, I know people, or I've heard, I've heard like even celebrities say they've tried to change it a million times. Like if something's wrong, they're like, that, I don't have a brother. They'll go in there and take it off and they'll see that they did that and be like, they'll put it back because you can't, isn't it dumb? Wouldn't that's you so know? Weird. I was going to say, you're but the it, expert on you. It makes sense because in, in a way I see where they're coming from because you could just put like, you know, that you are, you've been ranked the greatest human of all time. Yeah. Boom. Like an Instagram filter. On yeah, it is. It's yeah. <laughs> totally what it is. And... Yeah, so I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, it's it's maddening. Yeah. So I don't know how to do it, and and it feels really self-serving to just ask. You know, so many times I've drafted the tweet like, "Can somebody make a Wikipedia page for me? I'll give you all the information." <laughs> but they'll probably find they'll that. Probably find that. They will. They're cr- it's crazy. It's like Big Brother. So were you stuff. saying that you finally got one? Is no, that what you started no, saying? Oh, I thought you said you finally did. I'm putting Wikipedia. this out there on the podcast because I want people to put. I want oh, okay. somebody to make one for we me. We all want Wikipedia pages, people. So <laughs> get to it. Make us proud. I've done somewhat notable things. And that's another thing. You have to have, like, enough stuff. Like, if, if you have reviews written about your yeah. books, you can get it on, on there now. Because yeah. they have to cite things. And I had nothing to cite. I was just like, yeah, I did this once. Send, you know. <laughs> but they're like, well, there's no proof of that. Unless it's linked to another site or whatever. Sure. But it's, it's preposterous. It makes no sense. But they're literally, it makes me think they're just people sitting in cubicles working another job, you know. And, but they're also sitting on Wikipedia and they're just like checking a million different things. Yeah, there's things. that Nick Flora again. Oh, he's trying again. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Take him down. I know. Yeah, I'm, I am essentially the... You, give, you keep them in, in I do. I think I'm serving a they purpose. They should thank you. 
They exactly. should thank me. I, mean, I don't want to anger them. <laughs> I don't know why Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I, I Wikipedia. I Wikipedia things almost as much as I like Google things. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like I'll just straight up bring it up and, and type, you know, and I'm like, well, it must be true. Mm-hmm. It's there. So it's, true. It's mostly when I'm looking for people's ages. The internet it, never lies. Like, no, why would it? There's no reason to. It exists in its own true form. Uh, and it's perfect. That's we perfect. love you, internet. Oh, this is, by the way, this is going out on the internet. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that. Not live. What? I want to start, I want to do some live streaming thing where I can take phone calls, because I think that'd be really fun. That would be fun. It would be fun. Because clearly we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> uh, okay, let's wrap it, let's wrap up this uh, mother up. But uh, I want to do, Megan, when is your book release? July 29th. Of? 2014. The year of our Lord. No, you're not. It's probably out now or soon. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, and it's and it's between. Yes, it's between. It's a young adult fantasy by Spencer Hill Press. It's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> tell people that. It's, it's, fine. it's better. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God, I'm just Tolkien kidding. Tolkien didn't know anything. Please, dear God, don't take that seriously. <laughs> better than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> she you already heard it. It was cited. <laughs> Megan Winmer. Just oh God. on the cover of your own. Kill me now. That's the blur on the cover of your <laughs> own. That would be incredible if you had your own blur. <laughs> that'd be really good. Oh, that'd be oh. hilarious. And Kelsey, when does your book come out? Uh, Damsel Distressed comes out October 14th, along with the album Imogen Unlocked by our band Wedding Day Rain. That's awesome. And do you want to plug your anything else? Twitter? Anything like that? You can find me on the Twitters. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot. We might at uh, Megan Whitmer. There you go. And then on the YouTubes at, uh, oh crap, <laughs> what is <the laughs> YouTube? It's Scrambled Megs is the weekly series, but I think it's uh, YouTube.com slash Whitmer Megan. You probably just find it on Or I internet. tweet them. You can just Google it. I just tweet. Yeah, just Google just look it up on Wiki- Don't look it up on Wikipedia. It's not there. It's <laughs> not there. And all my social URLs are at Kels Not Chels. So YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, everything is Kels Not Chels. You have mm. a lot of name issues. Boom. So true. You're constantly trying to convince people that your name is not something else. I know. It's so true. <laughs> that's, that's so much of your life. It is. We started a lot the podcast that way and now Mecca. we're ending it that way. Uh-huh. Full circle. Full circle. Kelsey well, Mecca. thanks, Chelsea Mecca and <laughs> we, Wagon Mamer. I don't. I'm that dyslexic. That's not. No, that's not. Fail. Not at all. So. That good effort. Well, thank you guys Chelsea for doing. <laughs> that, that, thank you, Nick. You should seriously do like that. Should be your what, what's it called? What's it called when you what? write books under a different name or whatever? A name or yeah, your, your pen name could just be Chelsea McClough. <laughs> I like it. Thanks for having us on. Thank the you, Nick. Well, that's it for episode 57. Megan Whitmer's book, Between, is currently on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. And Kelsey Mackey's Dams of Distress comes out October 14th on Spencer Hill Press. That's it for episode 57. For Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative.